right now at Jack in the Box, you can get my new $4.99 spicy chicken club combo with a spicy crispy chicken breast, hickory smoked bacon, and melted cheese on toasted sourdough, plus fries and a drink, all for just $4.99. And here to tell you about it is the best spicy chicken club combo salesman in town, my cousin Gil. Yeehaw! Chicken lion! This year combo will blow your mind! Thanks, Gil. No problemo. Get my $4.99 spicy chicken club combo before it's gone. New from Jack in the Box. Limited time only. Price of participation by very small fries and small break. Now, the biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular revolt of the apes. most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants, now oppressed as slaves. Mobilization of all security forces, police, militia, and reserve defense units. See that every entrance into the city is cordoned off immediately. Yes, sir. I'll get through methods to improve the use of tear gas and sedation dunks. There will be but one control method. Shoot to kill. ultimate revolution. Where there is fire, there is smoke. And in that smoke, from this day forward, my people will plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you now! Hello, and are we on the air finally? Yep. Oh, goody, goody gumdrops. Yes, not coming to a theater near you soon. Uh, that was the trailer for tonight's movie on Cinema de Fromage. Welcome once again to that cheesiest of places where we discuss movies of um, a somewhat questionable character and somewhat questionable taste uh with me tonight we have as usual kente how are you doing kente i'm doing wonderful it is so awesome to be here and we're going to talk some apes classic apes classic apes yes also from the far off distant place safe from the apes we've got jen how are we doing today I am doing awesome, and yes, it, this Hawaii is definitely very ape-free. Um, also, uh, I have to say that that intro, that uh, that trailer, I think captures 
the highlights of everything we're about to talk about right now. It does, doesn't it? I, I, I actually started to laugh in the middle of it because as the narrator started amping up how awesome this movie was going to be. Anyways, also with us tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, that's Joshua. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm doing pretty well. I, I, uh, I got to say, though, uh, you said it's not coming to a theater near you anytime soon. But with the way they're re-releasing movies, uh, you know, <laughs> could be. Oh, yeah. Well, if they do like a Apes Marathon, I'd be in on it. Of course, they did re-release this movie as um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I, I'm pretty sure. Because there's a few uh, notes that they stole from this movie, including Caesar. Hmm. But it's a different origin. Anyways, so tonight's movie is, um, well, it's a historical docudrama taking place in the far-off past of 1991, when human beings decided, after all the dogs and cats had died, to take on apes as pets, and then eventually, within nine years, train them to be upright six foot tall people who could do menial chores and eventually with the guidance of a more superior talking ape rise up and well not gonna give away the ending yet but possibly take over the world (laughs) uh starring roddy mcdowell returning once again on his fourth uh no wait that would be his third venture in the uh, series uh, what you may not know was that even though the character of Cornelius was in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, he was not played by Roddy McDowell. Um, also in this movie is Ricardo Montalban reprising his role from the previous film as Armando, the kindly circus owner. And then there's a bunch of other people as well. All taking on interestingly stereotypical roles. And then a ton of extras in not bad to really crappy ape masks. <laughs> this is, of course, the fourth film in the series, the Planet of the Apes series. Uh, the first one, 1968, the classic starring Charlton Heston, followed by the lesser uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, followed by the very interesting and almost done, instead of this movie, a uh, third movie, which was Escape from Planet of the Apes, it was a tough choice, and we'll probably talk about that later, About because I'm going to sort of use this as a foot in the door to talk about the other Apes films. But anyways, uh, and so this one here is the fourth, but not final, uh, of the movies, though the ending was set up in a way that it could have been the final of the series, and it would have been actually probably a better way to go out. <laughs> anyways, we'll start off with uh, impressions by everyone. Go ahead. Uh, let's start with, uh, how about Jen? Because I know you want to talk about some hot uh, monkey love stuff and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, first of all, uh, th- just you know, not to give away our <clears throat> ending uh, tally score or anything, but I I really found this movie entertaining. Not so much because I wanted to sit and watch it, but because there were so many awesome little shout outs to previous movies to other movies that were happening at the time to uh a kind of civil rights movement um it's just a strange equality message going on 
there was something for everybody to love in this movie. And the other thing that was so just sort of hilarious to me, we actually started counting how many times someone said no in a stern master pet way and home and i think that we stopped at 100 and something did you also count the dues i i didn't i it it was we were we were pretty stressed with uh just the the only three commands they had no home do Uh, it 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 was it was the most interesting of all (laughs) You know, it's so funny because when you break things down in this way, there was a a really interesting way that I think people look at their own pets or did. And I was contrasting that with if this movie had been made today, those apes would have been living in the lap of luxury. So (laughs) it it was fun. I I actually, from an overall uh, observation standpoint, I really had a good time with this movie. How about you, Kente? Yeah, and just to let you know, uh, Josh crashed, so he'll be coming oh. back. Uh, I'll let you know when he when he's back. So um, then we know what his opinion is. When I, when I, <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, Josh is here. Hey, Josh. Hello again. Right. Oh, can you hear us now? Yeah. He, yes. La- lovely live technical detail. We were just discussing first impressions, and Kente was about to give his, and then I guess we can let go to you next. Uh, first impressions on the film. Uh, now, actually, just a quick question, just around this. Is this the first time any of you people have seen this film, or is this something you've seen many times before? I've seen it many times. Okay. My first. Oh, really? Okay. That, well, then that would be more interesting to, to, to catch on that. And, Jen, you've seen this before, right? Oh, yeah, a lot. Okay. All right, Kente, go ahead and uh, your impressions. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it in a while, but... Um... When I was younger, I was a huge fan. Of course, the original, the original is great. Uh, much like the original Jurassic Park, Police Academy, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween, and then the sequels are garbage. So, <laughs> <laughs> and this follows uh, along those same lines. Um, I think when I was younger, I think I loved it more because I loved that original so much that I was willing to take you know anything. You know what I mean? Uh, it was almost like the first hit was great, and then you know because it was pure, and then they just <laughs> the drug dealer just kept giving me like the the junk that's chopped with you know uh, with a uh, gold metal flour, uh, bacon soda, you know. So, <laughs> so I, I feel like this is like uh, you know, I mean it, it it's kind of cool because of um, the. Uh, it's cool because, uh, you know, I love Rowdy McDowell and Ricardo Montalban and, you know, the, the, the 70s uh, flair of this film. But, um, you know, it's, it's silly as hell. And, <laughs> the well, I'll, I'll say one of my big issues with the plot, but uh, for when we start talking about it more deeper. Okay. And Josh, are you, so this is the first time you've seen this. Have you seen any of the other Planet of the Apes films? I assume at least one of them, or have you seen the others? Yeah, full disclosure here. I have not seen a Planet of the Apes movie before. Oh, so you kind of jump in. Oh, we did a, a disservice to you making it jump into almost like the middle, so it makes even less sense. But, or okay, did so, you do me a great service by giving no. me the uh, Dirty Crag first? 
<laughs> maybe yes yeah, so that the rest of the stuff might be more palatable uh, if i really wanted to do that to you we'd be watching battle for planet of the apes which, <laughs> which is the absolute stinker of all of those ones. i mean if, if you think this is bad you have to see the other one just to see how awful it is but anyways okay so what, what do you how, how did you feel about the film you know um Planet of the Apes is one of those franchises that's been so ingrained into uh, entertainment uh, over the years. You could watch The Simpsons and feel like you know what's going on. Uh, that's how often it's referenced. Uh, so I wasn't exactly blind going into this, and I've you know seen the stuff. Uh, not actually watched the movies, but seen the trailers, the new movies. So when I started watching this, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. It it kind of matched my expectations as far as makeup, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the the apes. It's like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty freaking seventies, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, I actually got a little bit nostalgic uh, because there was a point in time where I was watching it and I said, you know what? I really miss 60s and 70s cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and especially the the pure special effects. Uh, seeing a guy with the flamethrower because, you know, <laughs> he has an actual flamethrower is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, rather than a computer effect. So in, in that regard, I, I, you know, kind of enjoyed it. And, and like Kinte was saying, it's uh, got a lot of cheese going on in it, but I think the uh, story it was trying to tell, you know, uh, references uh, to society at the time and whatnot, and hit hit a few good points. It wasn't uh, a total. It wasn't a complete trip to the garbage pile. So, <laughs> I'd say middling, uh, where uh, how I felt about it. Uh, no, no. No, that's good. I mean, that's it's it's kind of interesting because actually then the beginning of this movie, which I get annoyed with most of all, Ricardo Montalban's big, long um, dump of exposition to put the audience. It was probably useful to you to get an idea of what the heck's going on. Oh, the mother, the apes and all this. Uh, other hey, stuff. I have, oh, OK. I have that clip. You want me to play it? Oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to do my impression of it, which is what it, well. Let's play Caesar. I'm going to tell you exposition, 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 and then exposition, 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 exposition. But you're a good boy. Exposition, exposition, exposition. Okay, but if you want to play I'm it, surprised you can remember that quote. Did I do all right? Yes, yes, yes. But try to walk a little more like a primitive chimpanzee. Hmm? Your arms should move up and down from the shoulder, like so. Yes, that's better. Hmm? After 20 years, you've picked up evolved habits from me. That could be dangerous. Even fatal. Armando, I don't understand. Now listen to me, Caesar. There can be only one talking chimpanzee on Earth. The child of the two talking apes, Cornelius and Zira, who came to us years ago out of the future and were brutally murdered for fear that one very distant day, apes might dominate the human race. Yeah, but outside of you... Nobody even knows I exist. And we must keep it that way, for the fear remains. The mere fact of your existence will be regarded as a great threat to mankind. Well, I... Shh. Come. Come. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. I did. It's like, I'm going to do an entire exposition dump to explain the entire series up to this point, just in case. 
and and <laughs> that's what it was. I mean, because then now you, you're up to speed. Okay, uh, Zero and Cornelius came from the future into the past, had a child that they tried to get killed, and you find out the sad ending of a, the comical movie, and um, and then now you know where they are now in the far off year of 1991, in a world without cats and dogs, or artistic nice statues for those cats and dogs because that's the one thing that bugged me the most when he explains how the cats and dogs were all wiped out by a virus they're standing by the worst statue you could ever possibly put <laughs> in the memoriam of cats and dogs because i don't know about you i mean i'm not a big mushy guy but my statue would have like a hound dog lying on the ground with his sad eyes looking up and kind of oh, okay that's you know and a cat in whatever pose those soulless creatures have to look cute and that would be the statue have. Instead, they get a paper mache statue of, um, I guess it was two cats, but they made one look like a dog. And then said, uh, in memoriam, 1986, or 83, sorry, the end of all cats and dogs. Which, ironically, in 1978, we almost did lose all the dogs because a huge disease came out and nearly wiped out most of the dogs in North America. Which is odd. Very much so. so. But, um, yes. So, I don't know about you guys, but the one thing that bugged me the most is this whole idea that in nine years, from the end of the dogs and cats to this point, they not only took in apes as pets, but they realized they could train them and created this entire society and slave market society for these animals in nine years' time. You name a government on this planet that can do anything within nine years that he's remotely slightly efficient. <laughs> You're not going to find it, but here they did. Let me ask you guys this question, an even bigger question. If there's no cats or no dogs, would apes be next? No. No, because apes are like, you know, they're closer to, to us, so that Oh, would they be next as far as, far as pets go? Right. Uh, you know, I think all you have to do is look to Japan and realize that there's a lot of other things you could have. as so Phoenix foxes or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't jump to apes. No. I don't know. I'd like to have an ape around the house. Except for when you see those horror stories of people who have, like, chimpanzees and they're ripping off people's faces and arms. And you go, okay, yeah, that's not the guy I want serving. Oh, that's the other thing that bugs me. Would you guys really want to go to a restaurant where you're being served and the cooks and the waiters are apes? I mean, these creatures are, you know, no, notorious for flinging their own feces at each other when they're getting upset. <laughs> Do you want them handling your food? Like, I can't believe how nonchalant everyone was about it. It's like, oh, thank you for this, you know, lovely dish here. It's great. What's the brown stuff on it? Pudding? <laughs> Chef special. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's like a lot of logical leaps you have to make that are just bizarre in this movie but there's some neat like i'll tell you everything for the first half of the movie is like a bit of a slog for me but it's worth it for the last 10 to 20 minutes of the film because that's what makes up for everything because the second that the apes start revolting and everything it's like okay now i now i want to see how this goes I really care now. Up to that point, it's like, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Slavery's bad. I, I got you. I'm 100% behind you there. 
And I'm kind of surprised how quickly society in this world, you know, kind of forgot all about that that was a immoral thing. But, you know, that's the thing. This, this is a very strange, uh, like, the only way it can work is it's an alternate future, which is created by the apes society. Like, the whole Planet of the Apes movie is basically a weird time paradox. You know, have you ever noticed how it, movies in the 70s didn't do it as much, but almost all of our modern post-apocalyptic movies, and I sort of think this is, like, in that they were trying to go for that, that that, that it really is always uh, some kind of statement about human sadism. I mean, it, 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 there is there are very few post-apocalyptic movies or series or whatever that don't deal with how sadistic people are, and it, it's mm-hmm. it that has always sort of struck me as being is the, this is the message. The message is at the end of the world, we basically all revert into the most horrible of horrible, and that's sort of what I feel like got presented here. Like we, yeah. like like. Like there was like somehow dogs and cats kept us in our better <laughs> angels of, of behavior and message. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> That's awesome. That you know what? You could do a blog on that and probably blow people's minds away by saying that the entire Planet of the Apes series is based on the fact that dogs and cats had kept people from becoming, you know, the biggest dicks on the planet. Because that basically yeah, this movie was about that. He, you had Caesar in the beginning, this young, idealized, you know, he was kind of like, he liked everyone. He didn't know what the real world was like, so to speak. He gets exposed to the rest of the world. And the only good person, the only person he knew was like Armando, who was a, you know, a nice guy and everything. And suddenly he's thrust into the middle where everybody else is just an asshole and is trying to kill him or do something terrible to him or hurt him and hurt people like him. And all of a sudden, so when he, Armando dies, he gets to the point where he realizes he can stop the first time he talks to McDonald's. He's like, you know, says, well, you know, not all people are bad. Yeah. Only a couple aren't, but the rest of you are all worthless and you deserve <laughs> to be killed. And it's like, wow, what a statement. But yeah, this, um, it's very, it's yeah. Well, that's a, my, I like that theory. I, I really do. I'm really digging that. I, my, that's a good, you gotta do a paper on that. Because, you know, even when you go back to the Planet of the Apes that came before this, the, the, the reverse is not true, right? In this one, humans are just callous and uncaring and sort of mm. unempathetic and basically sadistic, right? But when you go back and you watch the, like, the original Planet of the Apes, there are people, there are apes, I'll say, not people, there are, pe- there are yeah. actual apes that, that do uh, not just sympathize with humans but sort of treat them with a little bit more um respect isn't the right word but but there's care there's you can you can tell that they're yeah they're far more kind and and they don't treat them quite the same way this was definitely a very bold statement that they made but you know what now i'm thinking about it more i think the entire series is about that human beings are horrible because the first movie you have this misanthrope, right? You have Charlton Heston as this guy who hates humanity. He's like blah, 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 and ends up defending humanity until at the very end. Sorry for the spoiler alert, but this is a movie from 1968. So if you don't know this already, uh, you know, if you, you, you must not have seen the Simpsons either because they do a great parody. But so he comes to the end, he sees what's left of mankind, realizes he's on earth and that the people he was defending actually wiped out the entire friggin' planet. And he realizes that, Oh my God, no, humanity is worthless. I was right. 
all along <laughs> that humanity is just garbage and the worst thing on the planet. What a dick, <laughs> what a dick you are for ruining the first movie. I know, I know. Eh? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Years is not enough not, time to catch if up. If you don't know it, if you don't know it, fifty years. Um, is it's the most enough. iconic scene of 1960s cinema. I think there's. You, you don't have to go. You hit type Planet of the Apes, and the first thing that pops up on uh, Google search of the pictures is that shot. So, well, uh, I fifty will, years I is will not, not enough time to feel... catch up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is my issue with uh, 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 with the film. Uh, let me. I don't want to be negative, Nancy, but I got to. No, go ahead. But, that's um, what we do here. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play a clip. And this will kind of, you'll get what I'm saying. Here we go. Uh, Lousy human bastards! Who said that? I did. He's a uh, performing ape uh, for my circus. A talking ape? No, no, no. No, that's impossible. It was I who spoke. It didn't sound to me like your voice. Yell, lousy human bastard. That's not what I said. That's what I heard. Now look, mister, you yell, lousy human bastards. Lousy human bastard. We said yell. Lousy human bastards. Yeah, yeah. Could be. I don't think so. It's right. The ape spoke. That's right. mistaken. I admit my behavior was inexcusable, and I am deeply sorry. But I, I think we better take him over to headquarters You're for right. interrogation. Okay, so <laughs> the whole plot of the movie turns on this one scene, that is... <laughs> and all the bad planning that goes with it. <laughs> Every, it is so idiotic, you know. When you see it, it's like, oh my god, these writers. Well, no. Okay, hold on. Let's go before that. Why were they in the city? Mm-hmm. What? No. Why were they? Look. Think back. Why were they in the city in the first place? Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, when he just like looking around or something like that, right? No, no, no. They were handing out leaflets and flyers for the circus. Something he could have got anybody else to do, but he decides, no, I'm going to take this ape, which you know, if anyone discovers, is going to kill him and kill me and everything. I'm going to take him to the city with me, and we're going to hand out leaflets. For the circus, <laughs> all of this could have not uh-huh. happened if he decided. You know what? This is a bad idea. But this is a movie about bad ideas creating even worse problems. Because <laughs> first he does that, then uh, Caesar runs away. Rondo catches up. Says, I'll "Tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the police and just explain. Oh, it's just a mistake. I said it. I'm sorry. You wait here, and if I don't come back in a short while, uh, you." Disguise yourself as one of the apes coming in, and you know uh, we'll catch up somehow later. <laughs> oh God, that that whole scene was just absolutely the probably one of the most contrived things I think I have seen in forever. When he when he goes down to the dock, uh, or yep. not the dock, but where the where the the apes are in the cages and tries to assimilate. Oh my God, yeah. Well, uh, but you know the only good thing about it was because even when I was a kid and I saw it first time, I go. Those guys are all orangutans. How are they going to not notice that there's a chimpanzee <laughs> with the orangutans? And luckily, somebody had brains in this movie at one point to go, hey, why is there a chimpanzee with orangutans in this thing? That that shouldn't have happened. And then they were able to trace it back because these guys were, you know, North American Nazis and they have a very good record-keeping system. You notice, so they though, know they, who were, they were dressed like Nazis. 
Oh yeah, no that that was yeah. not it. Uh, uh, that was not subtle in any way, shape, or form. Let's put it this way: their whole. I mean, that whole society is mental. Uh, think about it. Nobody was working. The only people that worked were the apes. So everyone was kind of like lounging around, but they had a this totalitarian society at the same time. And obviously, people in that society are dumb because every announcement had to be repeated. <laughs> So if you listen to the, the, the announcements popping up, you know, there was an ape gathering on the mall. I repeat, there's an ape gathering on the mall. Round them up. All officers are to round them up. I repeat, all officers... It's like, either they've got a society of people who have hearing problems or a society of people so dumb they can't remember a five-second command or thing. So, like, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, said it again. I could do it now. Uh, my, uh, Josh... Uh... I'm really yes. interested in uh, getting, as someone who's this is the first time you see it. Uh, what do you think about uh, like just the idea that the whole plot uh, hinges on that encounter, uh, you know, with uh, Caesar uh, yelling out what he says? Well, uh, my first thought is there are you know a lot of movies that hinge on one stupid action to uh, really make everything else uh, happen. But in this particular instance, uh, while you guys were talking about it, my my thoughts were, yeah, uh, he decides to take him into town and hand out the flyers and whatnot. Oh, and let's have conversations. <laughs> yeah. We could have done this beforehand, but you know what? I'm going to tell you about this now. It's <laughs> like, oh, Ricardo. Although well, I... I will say, watching... Uh, Ricardo Montalban uh, is just absolutely mesmerizing no matter what he's in. I mm-hmm. can't get enough gun. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, all joking aside, uh, Ricardo Montalban and Roddy Dell both put in great performances. I mean, the, they're working with some really, you know, weird stuff. And they're both, you know, putting their heart into it. Roddy McDowell is playing his own son, if you think about it. Right. And so his Cornelius character... And his Caesar character, actually, you can tell the difference between the two, even though it's the same actor wearing basically the same makeup. But he has two different ways that the guys carry carry themselves and everything. So he created a, an interesting character. There's some emotional stuff that happens in there that you know he makes it. You know, you you believe in the guy, and I, you know, you still root for him, even though he's out to destroy all of humanity. But, of course, as we've noted, all of humanity in this movie are, are garbage. So, you know, go apes. Yeah, that felt really weird to me, feeling sympathetic for someone that stick out my species. It's like, all right, guys, uh, you go apes. Wait, I'm rooting against my own interest here. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of weirdness in this movie too. Um, like, how did you know Caesar know to fake his own electrocution, and how come nobody bothered to check his pulse after they thought they'd electrocuted him? <laughs> it's like, oh, we've tor- we've killed him. Yeah, he's dead. How do you know he's dead? Uh because I electrocuted him. I pulled this trigger. Okay, do you want to check to make sure he's definitely <laughs> dead? I don't smell any burnt monkey hair. That should have been a prime, you know giveaway right there. but you know well, what we got to give well, them, we got to give the it, makers of that electrocution machine credit because that thing didn't make a sound i know eh <laughs> that thing also, was a- the future is fantastic also I, I, I think that this fits in with the the post-apocalyptic theme that men that the age of men 
they're sadistic and dumb. I mean, they're <laughs> basically, you know, if you think about it, they what they're saying is that everything that we think about apes, you know, well, they're violent and they're crazy and they're not as intelligent as we are, is basically the way that we are portrayed in the in light of the planet of the apes this is us this is who yeah. we are yeah definitely and it's <laughs> yeah and it doesn't speak well for us in any way like even not just that we're evil because okay human beings are evil okay i get that but we're it's it's the dumbness of us and the over-the-top stoop like okay uh governor brecht we're, we're gonna talk about acting and i was giving praises i'm gonna give no praise to <laughs> mr don murray as governor brecht who chews up the scenery and plays like a Saturday morning cartoon super villain, you know, where it's like, I am going to destroy these apes and we're going to be the rulers of the world. And and it's like, okay, why do you do things for reasons? For uh, reasons. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what, what are you do? I'm going to, it's like, Oh, I figured out he's the ape. I better call up this guy who's been, you know, the whole time he's been kind of knocking my policies on apes and tell him what I'm going to do, even though he seems to have sympathies for the apes, but I better warn him that I'm going to go arrest this ape. And cause I know who he is. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry. And then after all of that, he's seen a talking ape and everything else. They're cutting through <laughs> my favorite line is when the, he sees the blowtorch cutting through the, the, the wall at ape management. He says, how can they do that? They're just apes. <laughs> it's like, dude, you had a talking ape there. You've trained them how to do all this other stuff. Why would using a blowtorch blow your mind away at that moment? Yeah. That... Yeah. That's... Well, me. You know, maybe it's because, if you go back to the cats and dogs thing, because mm-hmm. maybe it's this whole idea that they're not actually, that nobody actually intended for them to be any smarter than their cat or dog. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, there there is, there is like a, a subtle, no, not even a subtle, there's kind of a hand <laughs> over the head disconnect with with realizing that, you know, the, the creatures that you just trained to be your pets have opposable thumbs and the ability to carry out complex commands that you've given them and like, you know, cook your food. And there, there is, I see sort of where they were going, but it really doesn't excuse how they got there. It just (laughs) is not, it's like, well, there's the math, but eh, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull those last calculations. I. I. I know what the answer is gonna be. I got this point. This point. Uh, everything in between. We don't care about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the interesting thing. And I was doing some reading on the background and the directors and the writers and everything for this movie. And the thing they based the last part of the movie on were the Watts riots from 1965 in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And. They said, they said, the one thing they noticed, because there's two cuts of this movie. Um, there's the, the, the standard theatrical cut, and I'm not sure if everyone has seen both cuts or not. The standard theatrical cut where there's sort of this softer kind of ending where Caesar suddenly becomes schizophrenic after ranting and raving that it's the end of the world for humanity, but now we're going to be your friends. It's like, what? And then there's the original cut, And in the original cut, it is much crueler and nastier. Basically, he gets that thing where, you know, this is uh, tonight is the night that, you know, your your downfall is. 
and then he looks over to the gorillas and they all pound the shit out of Breck there with their guns and everyone's celebrating while the city burns kind of thing. And that's the end of the movie. Boom. Cut. No, uh, no ape going, no, and all this other stuff and looking all sad about the hurry. No, it's just basically, yeah, this is the beginning of the end for, for humanity. Boom. Full stop. No hope. Caesar is a badass. That's it. He went from being sort of simpering to leading a revolution through his secret mind powers. By the way, why would they, here's the thing. So he's a talking ape, but did you notice how he got the revolution started? He didn't say a damn thing to all those apes. He kind of just looked at them right. and started doing stuff. Yeah, he didn't use his, his uh, advantage, basically, uh, that he can speak. And not until the very end, really. Yeah, uh, he didn't. Well, the only thing he did that was, you know, because he was intelligent was he when they would give him orders and he would like add uh, up two gallons of kerosene. Uh, oh, you know, repaired re- revolver and a hundred rounds of ammunition. And adds, so that was kind of clever. But, you know, but for the rest of the movie, he's like walks around. And I guess he started this whole revolution by just wandering around the city, looking at apes. And then they'd suddenly become oh, crash. Oh. Things. That must have taken oh. a long time. Well, but 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 I mean, again, this this sort of makes some God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This sort of makes some logical sense in the sense that that the if the idea is that talking, which humans can do, does not make you stand out any really, then the power to speak certainly shouldn't give him any additional advantage. So it's got to be something else. Well, but, sure it would. Uh, but what I mean... it is, who knows? Maybe, maybe the maybe the subtle message was that apes are so good at body language <laughs> that they don't even need to speak, and that's their superpower. You mean all this time these guys are yelling no and do when they could just like point and look, and that would have been it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Damn. Because I would have loved to see, you know, Caesar walk up to a bunch of the gorillas and they're all about to attack him. He goes, no! And they kind of cower. <laughs> Ooh! Okay, they're going to go kill the cops. Oh. But, uh, yeah, like I said, my favorite part is the ending of the film. With that, And it's, if you think about it, the budget on these films got smaller and smaller as they went along. Basically, that was the idea. You've got a, a, a sequel, you put less money into it because you're not going to get as much back as the first one. And that was the, the thoughts. Yeah, there's some so, uh, noise. I keep hearing noise in the background. So it's somebody. What noise are you hearing? It's somebody's fidgeting or something. It's coming out really loud. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry Maybe it's me. I'm being a little too animated here. I don't know. <laughs> but I was sorry. I was, I was saying, um, yeah, so the budgets are got smaller and smaller. So what they did is they, they shot in uh, this sort of newish uh, location. Um, what the hell is it called? Century City or something like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, out here? Well, yeah, that's where they shot the, the, the city scenes, the exteriors. Anyways, and they gave it a, a sort of a look of a, a sort of a dystopian future kind of, you know, city scape right where there's very little vegetation it's all concrete and everything and i thought they did a good job with that but i have to say the action at the end of the film is really well done it's considering it's a bunch of guys you know stuntmen wearing ape masks and a bunch of other guys and cops stuff you know and it's dark they did a really good job of shooting it and getting that feel of the you know you could feel like the, the sort of the surge of, of the, the revolution happening and it was kind of i thought it was really well done it is Century City. Huh. Get the uh-huh. out of here. 
you know, the, the, there was something to, uh, to to the basic set design, which, I mean, in the 70s, kind of, it feels like a lot of times when you wanted something to be cold or dark, that you simply make it bleak and open, and somehow that conveys that message. And in this particular case, it kind of did. Um, <laughs> because every time that we see them sort of in these... I don't it wasn't like they were pristine but they were so well ordered everything felt so ordered mm-hmm. that it gave it that sort of cold edge to it so in this case I, I mean that was one of the most enjoyable parts I think of watching the movie was sort of looking at what was happening in the background as well because it did seem like even though you could tell it was sort of low budget there was still a lot happening there was a lot of sort of visual stuff going on in the background so it made it kind of fun and and it didn't look as 70s aside from people walking around in turtlenecks um it didn't look as 70s as a lot of the films of that time would have like if you look at the the outfits everything was pretty much very conservative grays and black suits and that kind of thing and there was not it wasn't like you know anyone looking kind of uh you know flashy and really colorful so uh, the the only thing that showed that it was 70s is that you know people thought that you had to wear a turtleneck with your suit which you know <laughs> fashion faux pas guys it, it doesn't work and luckily they gave that up after 1991 hey, I, hey, hey but hey, I, I, futuristic hey, I, I, things that they got right cordless phones mm-hmm. everyone picked up a phone and there was no cord on it now, either they were cheap and couldn't afford the cords, or they were saying, this is the future of phone technology, cordless phones. So next time, you, if you ever have a chance to watch it again, watch everyone picking up their phones. No one has a cord. Not and that's, about, that, that's all they got right about the future. That's right. All right, yeah. so let's, let's talk about a couple of characters here. Um, we know that we've already talked about Caesar. We've talked about uh, Armando. Uh, how about the character of um, McDonald? The black dude. Uh, go ahead, uh, Josh. Oh. What oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? It was, it was uh, over you guys talking. So uh, what was that? You said, what was the question? Oh. We were talking about the characters. Uh, we were actually was going to talk about the character of McDonald and what you thought of him. Black guy. Um, yeah, yeah, McDonald. I thought the only decent person in the entire movie. Yeah, it seemed pretty clear that he's supposed to be the guy we're not supposed to hate, as far as humans go. Uh, sort of a voice of reason at times. And I'm not sure how to feel about that. And. Uh, just uh, you can be honest. You, know, you don't have to like him. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with him. I didn't have a problem with his performance. He just seemed um, okay. I'll put it to you like this: in a movie like this, some of the choices he made, maybe with an inflection, or especially at the end there when he's uh, you know trying to, I guess you could say, reason with Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a little bit over the top, but like I was saying, in a movie like this, it only fits too well. Uh, one of those performances that can get so out there 
uh, that it comes back around and it's like, okay, that is good. <laughs> so that's basically my thoughts on uh, McDonald the whole time. It's like, and here we go. It goes from, okay, <laughs> ah, in, a, in a big loop. <laughs> Unlike uh, Roddy and, and Ricardo, who apparently met beforehand and were like, we are going to take this seriously. We will carry this on our backs. <laughs> yeah, because Roddy's going, I need them to make at least one more film so that I can get at least one more paycheck out of this series. Oh, and God. possibly a television deal. Just one more. <laughs> it's either that or Fright Night. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was He was in Fright Night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only, you know what the only villain I kind of liked was uh, the Chief Inspector Culp, the 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 guy with the goatee. The the for some reason the way he acted was basically he was so nonchalant about everything. So he wasn't raving, he didn't rant. He was just like, oh yes, and did you do this? And here, sign this paperwork before we put you on this uh, you know truth tester, which is just a big basic light bulb on. <laughs> and it was like I liked him because he was like. The kind of evil. He's the banal evil. He's doing terrible things. He's not being a nice guy, but he's being so nonchalant about the whole thing. It's like, yeah, it's just my job. I got to do this. Okay, let's squeeze confession. We're gonna go shoot the ape. Come on, you two SS officers with me. Let's go kill the ape, and then maybe we'll go get some food later over at the, you know, the monkey bar or something like that. Yeah. But. Everybody else was over the top and goofy and evil and rotten. And he, he was just bored. And I like that about him. It's like, this is the world I live in. I got a deal. That's it. Don't care. I'm not enjoying my job. I'm just doing it. You know, so the, the, there's something that also, uh, especially toward the end, that seems to resonate throughout the entire movie. And that is, there's this somehow pervasive idea that um, the voice of reason is never correct that 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 they're um, that, that 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 you can't be reasonable and it's and it happens yeah. on both of the sides it's not like just one side doesn't behave reasonably it's it's that there will be no success without some kind of uprising with without uh some kind of i guess you could just say violence because really that's sort of the basis of it all even even when even in the theatrical release it still sort of ends on a pretty dark note yeah there's uh, would you say it's bipartisan maybe that both sides would, could never come to an agreement, so the only result is going to be conflict. It's it, you know, it, it's tribal. It it yeah. feels very tribal. It feels like okay, well, there really is no way to get a resolution. One side has to win, and what whichever side wins, they will basically be the victors. There will be no reconciliation. Uh, it does. It never feels like that. It feels like maybe there might be some concessions. Maybe maybe we could kind of like you know do a few things to help you out. But it never feels like you know. Can't we all live together? Can't we all mm -hmm. do this together? It never feels like that. Yeah, and they try to do that with the the final cut, which I, I don't know. Do you, Kente? Do you have that clip of the final speech? Like, you can tell the difference of the tone. Like, if, the, if he's got the full speech, you'll hear 
when they've got the new stuff in because they basically grabbed Roddy McDowell and said, here, get in this shitty uh, stage. Uh, here, dub these lines or say these lines into the microphone. We'll just dub it in. We're not even ah. going to care if it matches up. Boom. And then... Caesar! Caesar! This is not how it was to be. In your view or mine? Violence prolongs hate. Hate prolongs violence. By what right are you spilling blood? By the slave's right to punish his persecutors. Caesar... I, a descendant of slaves, am asking you to show humanity. But I was not born human. I know. The child of the evolved apes. Whose children shall rule the earth. For better or for worse. Do you think it could be worse? Do you think this riot will win freedom for all your kind? By tomorrow... By tomorrow it will be too late. Why, a tiny, mindless insect like the Emperor Moth can communicate with another over a distance of 80 miles. An Emperor Ape might do slightly better? Slightly? What you have seen here today, apes on the five continents will be imitating tomorrow. With knives against guns, with kerosene cans against flamethrowers. Where there is fire, there is smoke. And... In that smoke from this day forward, my people will crouch and conspire and plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall, the day when he finally and self-destructively turns his weapons against his own kind, the day of the writing in the sky, when your cities lie buried under radioactive rubble, when the sea is a dead sea and the land is a wasteland, out of which I will lead my people from their captivity and we shall build our own cities in which there will be no place for humans except to serve our ends and we shall found our own armies, our own religion, our own dynasty and that day is upon you now! But now... Now we will put away our hatred. Now we will put down our weapons. We have passed through the night of the fires. And those who were our masters are now our servants. And we, who are not human, can afford to be humane. Destiny is the will of God. And if it is man's destiny to be dominated, it is God's will that he be dominated with compassion and understanding. So, cast out your vengeance. Tonight, we have seen the birth of the planet of the apes! Oh, wow. So it's like he suddenly suffered a stroke and forgot midway through what he was ranting about and then decided, wait a minute, no, let's be friends. 
Why can't we that first be part friends? Where he goes right up to, and now this is on you t- now. And it's like he's like saying, "You you guys are screwed. It doesn't matter what you think you're going to do. I know the future. Your cities are you're going to kill each other off. We're going to go out there. We're going to have nothing to do with you. We're going to have nothing to do with you. We're going to you know if we have anything, you're going to be uh, we're going to use you as whatever we need for ourselves, and we're going to set up our own society, and we have nothing to do with you." But let's be humane now and, you know, work together. Well, you know, apes need cats and dogs, too. (laughs) You know, these aren't cats and dogs. We'll we'll fit the bill. No, we we fit the bill. We'll we'll, we'll have to be their cats and dogs. They could get geckos and probably have a better chance. (laughs) Well, you know, I think... That was the turning point of the series because the next movie... Uh, humans and apes are living together, all friends and everything. And Caesar's trying to keep a balance of that. And it's like, okay, I guess that's where you decide to go with the series. I kind of liked the original idea at the ending because it's, it is bleak, it's dark, but it makes sense. The guy's angry, he's resentful. He's he was he was a slave. He saw his people being slaves, and this was his chance to rise up against his masters and, uh, you know, gain his freedom and push them aside and. Ah, you don't become friends with those people. They're bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it was a uh, really good ending um, for it, for the series, really. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think this is probably a good time to get to our scores. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so kind of, can you run down? Uh, oh, actually, before we do that, I know we have, we're, not, we're eventually going to have a link to it. Um, but um, you haven't posted it just yet. But uh, tell us about your movies that make a meal. Uh, okay. So in celebration for this particular film, which is slightly bananas, and which you may find more enjoyable if you have some rum available. Um, in fact, I would highly suggest it. Uh, I made a Bananas Foster. <clears throat> and for people that don't know what Bananas Foster is, um, it's basically a dessert dish. It's served with vanilla ice cream. And what you do is you create a sauce out of butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, and the darkest rum you can find. Most people will set the, the, uh, the sauce on fire. And you make like a nice little flambe with your bananas inside. And so it has kind of a nice crispy sort of taste to it. But it's that really deep caramelized sugar stuff too. So it tastes really good. So we've got a little bit of everything. We've got some liquor. We've got some flame slower action. We've got some bananas. We've got it all. Wow. That, that fits with the entire movie too. Sure does. I mean, with the flames, the flames especially. Because fire is used quite a bit in this film. Fire is a man's best friend. Unless it's being used against him. Unless it's being used against us. (laughs) All right. So so let's get to the uh, the scores. Uh, Okay. uh, Jen, you want to go first? Uh, Actually, can somebody else go first? Because I just misplaced my score. Okay. I will go first then. Uh, So we have our four categories, which is the production, uh, production value. Value production is that? Uh, acting, story, and overall entertainment value is how we rate each and every one of these films. So we'll start with production value. Um, No, this film was done on the cheap, but they did a very good job of, you know, using what they had. Um, 
there are many times where you can see it. A couple of the apes' masks are just pullover masks, and the guys are wearing regular shoes as opposed to the ape feet. And it's like, okay, so you could see where they were straining to keep the budget going. But as I said, that last uh, last part of the movie where the riots are actually happening and their their uprising is happening is really well done, really well shot. Some interesting um, stuff going on there, and and somewhat exciting in some ways. And I would say they did a good job with what they had so production i I would give that a seven acting uh with the exception of roddy i mean let's face it roddy mcdell and ricardo montalban carry this film ricardo montalban's on probably what you forgot forgot story story oh story sorry yes story well i mean it connects with the ape uh series and if you watch the whole series you get to see how they created their own history and how this time loop thing works um the continuity falls apart a few times, but overall, uh, you know, it's the story of a young man who learns the horrible secret of the world and decides that he's got to stand up against that. And, uh, it turns out the young man's an ape. Uh, I'll say it's, it, it sags a bit in the beginning, uh, but picks up as it goes along. I'll give it a, a, a six acting. As I was saying, Ricardo Montalban and Roddy McDowell, they hold the, they they steal the show. Roddy is almost the scene, so he does a great job. You think about the fact they're wearing these rubber masks, and he's got to emote and act under this thing. And it's not like the you know this is early latex stuff, so it's not as uh, pliable and and you know expressive as as later uh, special effects masks and then CGI later after that. Uh, so he does a great job. And what he had to do was he had to overexpress on his face to get just the slightest little things going on. And, uh, you know, like I said, he plays his own son and does a good job creating a different character with someone who looks pretty much the same. Um, I'm going to give, if it weren't for all the other actors who are kind of in between blah to over overacting, uh, as a whole, I'm going to give it a seven. No, six. I'm going to give it a six. Because Don Murray really drags it down. He does. He really overacts. Um, and then my overall entertainment value. Um, this is my second favorite of the Apes films. Uh, so I have a very soft spot in it. And I'm giving it an eight. Eight. Who's next? Okay, I found mine. I can go next. Okay, go so production value <clears throat> i gave it a six i mean i don't know i it just it feels kind of cheap it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's a good cheap but it still feels pretty cheap for acting i only gave everybody a five sorry guys some of the the, the, the bigger actors just couldn't carry this poor film but it was still fun and you know if you ever saw bill and ted's excellent adventure you'll know exactly what i'm talking about uh story i gave a four i don't know how in god's name somebody did not check this script to see if anything made sense but <laughs> or if they just wrote it so many times they were like yeah okay whatever um but ugh, that was really bad but overall i gave it an eight because i really liked it we laughed so hard and really had a good time with it so those are my scores all right uh joshua well, um, uh, production quality. You know, in a movie like this and the type of budget that it had, I didn't expect a whole lot because I did a little homework before checking it out. 
And as as much as the makeup failed in certain parts, uh, the cinematography really kind of pulled it all together, especially during those final sequences. So I'm going to give it a seven uh, for production quality. Story. Uh, as it being the only Planet of the Apes movie that I've seen, I'm not sure where or how it it really fits in with the other 15 movies. Or how many there are, I'm not sure. But with that being said, having a, not really a whole lot of context other than um, the exposition monologue at the beginning. Uh, story. This is a tough one. But you know what? I'm going to give a lot of credit for it being a series. And and I'm assuming trying to get some of the uh, story straight from movie to movie. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a six just for the effort of uh, keeping uh, uh, Planet of the Apes stories going. The acting. What can I say that hasn't been said already? The Ricardo Maltabon was great. Uh, uh, Roddy McDowell, of course, also great. I was really surprised by his uh, performance because I haven't seen the other movies, as I may have mentioned once or twice. <laughs> so, you know, this this isn't e- as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> how do you, how do you take uh, two guys that really really hit a home run and put them next to a bunch of other guys that look, you know, it's like comparing uh, the Nolan films to the Schumacher films of Batman. <laughs> so I will say it averages out, uh, and I will go even a little on the plus side and give it a s- six. And five of that, you know, I want to say seven. Because six of that rests on the heads of two men. <laughs> Overall entertainment value, I would. I'm just going to go ahead and give it a six. Um, without the context of traditional movies, maybe it would be more entertaining to have some of that mythology and some of that lore to kind of carry me through and, you know, be able to spot references from other uh, ape movies. Uh, so without that, I, I didn't have that enjoyment. So I'm just going to say six. Did I do it right? You did it perfect. Yes. I hear some bad background. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. Sounds like uh, someone's dialing a phone. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Okay, it's so like a, I... 1960s phone. I give it a... Um, for as far as production quality, I give it a five. Uh, essentially, you know... Uh, I mean, um, it, you know, it, it wasn't all that in, impressive. They just went down to, uh, to, uh, Zentry City and there you go. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what they did, you know? It's like, uh, you know, that's not that impressive. Um, so, uh, and then I will give the story, I'll get a four. I, I mean, I wasn't in love with the story just because it all hinged on that one scene that seemed kind of asinine. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, as far as the acting is concerned, I give it a five. And um, 
you know, uh, love Ricardo Montalban. I love uh, Roddy McDowell, but you know, everybody else was uh, to be polite is was a question mark. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I'll give for that. And then um, over t- overall entertainment value, I give it a seven, just because I am a fan of the whole overall series. And this is maybe this probably is the second best one of it, like like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, which doesn't say much. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Escape from Planet of the Apes has its own charm, but it is, and it is definitely on the cheese factor, it's cheesier than this one, but I think this one was uh, has a bit more of um, a kick to it than the other one did, to be honest. So... It, what? Uh-huh. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So, um, uh, tallying up all the scores... This one is going to get a ninety-seven, which is a, which is a sixty point six two five on the cheese meter. So uh, just so we could go over the uh, the previous. Yeah, let's one. see where we stand right now. Okay, on so the old cheese meter. Last week we weren't able to give out the score due to the fact that our our guests uh, there was a mix-up, but they did give us a score. Last week's score was a, came out to of the Warriors was one hundred and nine. Which is a sixteen percent on the cheese meter. So uh, whatever that noise is is pretty bad. Um, so uh, all right. So as this goes so far, number one is the Return of the Living Dead with a hundred and fifteen uh, score, which is seventy one percent. Number two is the Warriors with a hundred and nine, which is a sixty eight percent. Number three is. Um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which we just said, uh, got a 97, which is a 60 point, uh, it was a 60% uh, cheese. And um, in last place is poor uh, in our, Mr. NRA himself, the Omega Man, with 91, which is a 56%. So uh, that's where we're at so far. And more films to come. So we don't know where we're going to be at the end. Now, are we going to have the bottom two battle or the top two battle? Uh, the top two. Okay. Yeah. So when we're talking cheesy, we're talking entertaining cheesy as opposed to bad cheese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Right. Awesome. And what do we have for next week, Kente? Or not, well, you're saying we're not going to have one next week. Is that what you're saying? Right. Because here in the States, we're going to celebrate. Uh... July fifth. <laughs> yes, you Americans, hey, you got to add that extra day on. <laughs> you know, we love to celebrate the fifth of July here, and uh, you know, so extra long, the, long the, weekend. Yeah, the thing is, it happens on a Wednesday, so we have to take the entire rest of the week off. I think that that's fair. I'm such oh, a patriot. That's true. I am such a patriot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, my Canada Day falls on uh, Sunday this year, so I've got Monday off, and that's that's my long weekend. Yeah. So we do have a show on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sorry, on Monday, an interview that me and Jen is doing. But after that, it's the whole week of podcasting's off. Okay. So then, the week after next, what do we have lined up? So anyone who wants to can. Get a view beforehand to have an idea what the hell we're talking about. Well, you know what? Uh, this is Jen's movie. Uh, I'll, I'll oh. Jen, uh, tell her. Oh, it's mine. Oh, this it's is yours. awesome. It's yours. 
Yes, Jen's pick. Okay, my pick is a movie called Burnt Offerings. It has a lot of the same 70s feel to it as some of the movies that we've just seen, but it has the enhanced and sort of awesome feature of some supernatural spookiness. I think people will actually really be very entertained by this. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. I'm sort of excited. <laughs> well, I'm going to be wearing diapers so I don't pee my pants because I don't... Scary movies, you know... I already, ha- I already watched a scary movie this week and I don't know if I can handle a second. I, I just, have, I just have one word of warning. Look, if you're already scared of uh, chauffeurs or uh, <laughs> people that drive hearses... Be, just, just, just be extra kind to yourself. Yeah, I don't oh, okay. know if that's a real thing, but who knows? There's just fears of everything nowadays. <laughs> All right, so shall we run down the? Uh, let's just uh, have our goodbyes. Oh, I forgot one last thing. We'll always forget to do this, but I always remember at the last minute. Uh, the one sentence to describe the movie we just saw. And I'll start it, because that way I can get the joke out as quickly as possible. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is bananas. Ha, ha, ha. No one else can... Now now you guys have to think. (laughs) So, uh, Jen, I'll give you the second shot. Oh, God. So now I'm going to have to, like, think up some kind of crazy pun, like, well, it was kind of hairy in the middle, or... Uh, No, I, I... Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was, um... Enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. There you go. All right. Kente. Uh, that way we give Josh some more time to think. <laughs> uh, I would say... Thank you. I would say Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is uh, ape-tastic. Ape-tastic. An ape-tacular film. There you go. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, and one word... Oh, not I one was... word, just one sentence. It's... Okay, one <laughs> sentence. Oh, um... Planet of the Apes, or Conquest of Planet of the Apes is or was, and whatever comes to your mind. All right, Conquest, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was, and I hope I get the tone right, a very special movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that came through just perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so let's start off with you, Josh. How can we get you in social media and tell us what we should be on the lookout for? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at SemiCoreJosh. That's S-E-M-I-C-O-R-E-J-O-S-H. That's for SemiCore Studios. As in SemiCoreStudios.com. I don't use it for a whole lot much these days. But I do use it to... Throw up the uh, listings that are coming to Netflix uh, every month. Uh, because on the first of every month, I drop something called The Netflix. It's a podcast that you can find on all of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, if you feel inclined to find out what's coming to the Netflix, instant streaming. I don't go through all the titles. I just pick some highlights and uh, sometimes lowlights. Uh, anything that really interests me, really, to build the list. I go through uh, the list. And that's available on the first of every month. The full list is at the website, civicorestudios.com. And every week, I do a wrestling podcast called The Backstage Slam. Search that up. Subscribe if you're into wrestling. And if uh, we're talking about cheese, it doesn't get much cheesier than wrestling. Uh, Every week, The Backstage Slam 
where myself and Ben, uh, coincidentally, uh, my uh, my brother from Hawaii, uh, also so kind of interesting there. Uh, we talk about wrestling, and I'm just going to keep saying wrestling as as many times as possible until everyone decides to go check it out. Other than that, I'm always open to play some games. So skit comic skitcomic PlayStation Xbox, hit me up. Let's play some games. I haven't played some PUBG in a while, so uh, you know, let's get in there. Chance of people. That's it for me, Jen. Uh, honestly, Josh, saying that people from Hawaii are awesome, <clears throat> you can't say that and sound surprised. I mean, that's just who we are. So, just gotta set that record straight. There's people in Hawaii. There's lo- those no, of I us am that surprised. those of us that haven't been swallowed up by the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, social media for me is following bliss one on Twitter. And I do have both of my websites. Both are sort of inactive right at this very second, but uh, movies make the meal.com and critical laughs with two L's.com. And that's about it for me. All right. Um, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, as well as you can go to, uh, IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Okay, and uh, if you guys have any suggestions for films in the future, uh, you can send them to me at KingPenguin at gmail.com. I will peruse what you have and decide which ones we can torture ourselves with for either uh, if we do a postseason or the next season if we decide to keep going on. I'd like to. So, um, yeah, if you have any suggestions or any questions, uh, send an e- email and I will answer the old fashioned way. And maybe one day I might do this Twitter thing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next time. store where total confidence awaits i need a smartphone with an awesome camera got anything to fit a new dad's budget don't worry you got this with total wireless and now you can get 50 dollars off on select phones 99 dollars and up my relatives won't miss a thing now you can focus on the important stuff like diaper duty discover the total wireless stores and get total confidence the latest phones the best network all at great prices now open in la limited time offer in 63018. available while supplies last Porting required for a non-track phone brand offer only available at total wireless stores visit store for details